The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 11th chapter. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The Gospel of the Lord. Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In Matthew 3, which we heard from last week, we see John the Baptist unreservedly and powerfully preaching about the coming Messiah. He is uh, uncompromising in uh, the call to repentance so that the ground is being made ready for Jesus. And he is so sure of Jesus' greatness that he risks offending everybody, including the elites, the powerful of his day, those who would claim lineage to Abraham as a special promise or those who would claim to their priestly role. But a lot has changed now in between what we call Matthew 3 and Matthew 11, uh, which would have been several months, if not a few years, in between uh, those two time periods. John, as we have learned elsewhere, is in prison now uh, for calling out the evil deeds of King Herod. And while he's languishing in prison, he wants to know what's going on. He is wondering if perhaps he was wrong about Jesus. After all, if Jesus was truly the Messiah, couldn't he have, uh, you know, arranged a jailbreak by now? So he asks if Jesus is the one after all. Now, some people have said John was doing this for the benefit of his own disciples, uh, that he, he still believed in Jesus, but others didn't, so he wanted to find out. But I don't think there's any good evidence for that. And Jesus responds essentially by quoting the Old Testament, uh, prophecies about the Messiah. Right? He says, go back and tell John the dead are being raised and the lepers are being cleansed and the sick are being healed and the poor are hearing good news. And surely this message would have resonated with John, it would have brought him peace and joy, uh, and it would have satisfied his request about whether Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah. But he was faulted by others for not knowing. And in Matthew 11, you know, it's interesting, it says the crowds were walking away, and you almost get the impression Jesus is going after them. Hey, wait a minute. 
You know, I, I want you guys to understand this about John. What did you guys go out to see? And so Jesus rises to the defense immediately of those who are questioning John because maybe they had wondered. Maybe John was, you know, uh, not right about Jesus or maybe he was wrong. And remember that John had a tremendous following. He was known by virtually everyone. In fact, in some of the historians, uh, Josephus, who was a Jewish historian who wrote the Jewish history for the Roman Empire, he wrote more about John than he did Jesus. So people were wondering, well, maybe we've been wrong. And that is when Jesus asks this question three times. What did you go out to see? Indeed, you see, far from questioning whether John was the real deal, Jesus puts the question back to them. Uh, you were the people who went out to see him, and why? What were you expecting? Did you expect to hear a timid man who made qualified claims? Right? It's kind of like an advertisement or an insurance policy. It's got all the fine print at the bottom, right? Uh, that's kind of what a reed shaken by the wind is. It's someone who is timid. It's someone who is afraid of his own message and the controversy that it might cause. And that was absolutely not John the Baptist. Jesus is saying only because of John's extraordinary boldness does now his doubt from prison seem like weakness. And surely John's boldness was a good thing. Indeed, boldness is a trait that we often lack in our own day. In our speech, we're often afraid to say things plainly. We caveat our language. We make excuses. We're afraid to offend. Really, our language in many ways is changing before our eyes. When I was a kid, they called it political correctness. Uh, but, you know, now it's almost, it's almost like this enforcement mechanism to not cause offense, right? But some things must be said plainly and boldly. I mean, the truth often requires that approach and no other. It's fashionable now to say, oh, well, you know, everything's in a gray area. There's nothing that's truly black or white. Well, that's not true. Some things are black or white, you know, true or false. Binary, if you will. Uh, a reed shaken by the wind, it's a person who only ever wants to live in the gray areas, who refuses to take a stand, who compromises on everything. Such a person will not last long in the presence of Jesus Christ, who demands fidelity and who never compromises truth. And so the question must be put to us. Are we willing to listen to Jesus and really hear what he has to say? What did you go out to see? A man in soft robes. Well, that was definitely not John. I mean, we know what he was wearing. He was literally rough around the edges, wearing uh, camel's hair, although I should have worn my camel hair uh, sport coat today. It's 66% wool and 33% camel. Uh, I'm not into eating bugs. I did eat some in Mexico City on the street. You know, it was, it was fun for a novelty, but after about five, they're way too salty and really gross. But, but these things about John are not mentioned by accident. The man was 
you know, as I say, he's rough around the edges. But who is this guy in soft robes? Who is Jesus describing? Well, he's describing someone who lives in palaces, right? Someone who has it easy. And this could be the kind of person that other people want to access, right? Other people want to cozy up to because they have favors to spread around. They have, uh, they know people, right? They have money. The man in soft robes is, he's a man with, you know, no principles. He's unwilling to make hard decisions or cause offense. These are the people with a whole coterie of people who surround them trying to seek access. You you can imagine there's thousands and thousands of these people uh, in in Hollywood, right? They're always trying to figure out how do I access this person who can advance me in this way, etc. Of course, it causes all sorts of problems because powerful people who know they have this advantage over others will take advantage of people. But for those people in soft robes, hey, truth is negotiable. What's true for you may not be true for me and vice versa. Really, to have a soft robe in our parlance means to be soft. And such people are not found in the wilderness. They're found in palaces. Well, our own living has no doubt made us a little soft. To follow Jesus will likely involve the loss of some luxuries, if not some necessities. Like you, I'm happy to put that day off as long as possible. But the fact is that if we think the world is ending because we lose internet access or because our grocery store doesn't have everything we want in supply, it just kind of shows us how spoiled we really are, including me. So what did you go out to see then? A prophet? Well, now we're cooking with peanut oil, as they say. Although be careful because of all the peanut allergies out there. But John was at least a prophet, Jesus says. And actually he was even more than a prophet. But beware the true prophet, because they will definitely tell you the truth. Remember that prophets are not future tellers. A prophet is someone who speaks the word of God. They may interpret the written word of God in the scripture, or they may hear a word from God. But they're not fortune tellers. But don't listen to a prophet if you aren't willing to be convinced, if they are, in fact, a true prophet, which, to find out, you would have to compare what they say to the written word of God. One of the most difficult aspects of ministry is, um, and I realize how utterly careful I must be when I say this, but it's not being listened to. Uh, It's not uncommon to always have a number of folks in the congregation who really do, in fact, know more than the pastor. Uh, You know, they know more scripture, they uh, are older and wiser, etc. And there are some who, I don't know, how do you say, kind of have the attitude like, well, I don't have anything to learn from the pastor. Uh, No need to really uh, talk and listen, but really just to talk. Well, sometimes the pastor does have something to teach those people. And very, very often the pastor has much to learn from his parishioners, even often about theology or the Bible, but certainly all the other vocations that the uh, congregants are engaged in on a daily basis. In the end, the goal is for all of us to have as open a mind as possible so that we may know more surely and truly the word of God. But if you go out to see a prophet... 
you had better listen. Or you run the risk of not heeding the word of God. So why do you go out to hear? And who do you go out to hear? You should listen to those who point you to Christ. For that is the best kind of speech of all. That which points you to Christ. That was John's role. It's my role. In fact, it is the liturgy's role to do that. It is our role for one another, to point one another as a community to Christ. No matter how hard it may be to hear, or no matter how much our pride is wounded, we need to be pointed to Christ. For in Christ is life. And when we hear about Jesus, how he encompasses all of life and truth, then those who are blind to hatred and evil are made to see. Those who are deaf to virtue begin to hear of its sweetness. And those who are lame in the walks of justice and mercy will begin a new path. Jesus, you see, is still doing for us what he did during his ministry when he told John, hey, the dead are being raised and the sick are being healed and the poor are having good news preached to them. He's still doing that. He is still awakening the dead and giving us new life. He can still take the hard heart of a sinner and break it and turn it into the, uh, the, the, the heart of flesh. He can still change the cold countenance of a sinner to one that brings light into every room in which they enter. He still shows us how to leave behind lives of greed and dishonor and lying and cheating and to turn that into a life of service, a life which may be hard, but a life which is full and joyful. So what do you go out to see? A show? A radical? A rascal? Well, whatever you went to see, what they heard from John and what we hear from Jesus is the truth. The question is, what will we do with it? Amen.